Hey friends, I am so glad you're here. I'm your host, Erin Cusio, and this is Room for Lovely. Each week, we'll bring you incredible guests with relatable stories and encouraging wisdom who remind us to look for the loveliness in every single day. Because while not all of life is lovely, there is room for loveliness in every single season. If there is anything I am always working on at any given point in my life, it is efficiency in my time and being a better mom. I know that I am pretty efficient and I hope that I'm doing a good job as a mom, but I am always trying to be better. And when I ran across today's guest, she had some things to say that totally shifted my perspective in both of these areas. Today, my guest is Crystal Payne. Crystal is a New York Times bestselling author. She is a wife and a mom to six kids. You may know her as the money-saving mom on Instagram, where she hosts a following of over 150,000 people, but yet gives us the most down-to-earth glimpse into her beautiful life filled with intention. She is inspiring, wise, and an absolute delight, and I cannot wait for you to hear from her today. Welcome, Crystal. Thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Thrilled to get to talk with you. If you would, would you please start by just introducing yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are, your family, what you do. So my name is Crystal Payne. I'm the founder of MoneySavingMom.com. My husband and I have been married for 20 years. We live in the Nashville, Tennessee area. And when we got married, we set this audacious goal that we were going to go through law school and stay out of debt. And that led us on this journey of um, not only figuring out how to maximize the mileage of our money, but then I tried different things to do at home so that I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, fell into blogging in 2004, 2005, started a blog and then from there, discovered that people love to hear about saving money. And so I started MoneySavingMom.com in 2007, never expecting that it was going to grow into our full-time thing. My husband was going to be able to come home in 2014. And it's um, just become so much more than I could have ever dreamed or imagined. Um, God is just so faithful and good. We have six kids. They are 18, 16, 14. Then we had 10 years of secondary infertility. And then we have a three-year-old biological daughter and a one-year-old biological son. And then we fostered um, two little boys, um, one in 2020 that we brought home from the NICU. And then he reunified with his mom um, after eight and a half months. And then we still get to be super involved in his life and provide childcare. So he's kind of like our bonus um, son. He's three now and full of lots of energy. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and then we also have a three-year-old um, that we adopted, that we fostered for 23 months and adopted him last December. And he has um, Down syndrome and a cleft lip and palate and a feeding tube and a lot of medical complexities. And so it's been a whole journey of learning and growing and um, just really getting to see God's faithfulness and also just falling in love with this little boy who has just radically changed our lives. All of that is incredible. There are so many little bits and pieces that we could unpack from that. God has certainly taken you guys on such an incredible journey. I want to start, though. You have built your platform on the Money Saving Mom brand. And so in this economy where everyone is constantly talking about groceries, I want to know what is your go-to meal to feed your family? You guys are bustling. There's so much activity. There's so many of you. When you are like, okay, I don't know what to do, what's your go-to meal? 
Honestly, breakfast for dinner is usually where it's at, um, especially now when eggs went up in price, that was really a hard thing because I'm so used to always finding great deals on day eggs. Oftentimes I can find markdowns. And so we'll typically have, it's not uncommon, four to six dozen in our fridge. And so if maybe it's Sunday after church and I didn't have anything planned, we can make scrambled eggs and throw in some cheese and make some toast or some um, pancakes or something like that. We usually have some bacon or sausage in the freezer that I've gotten on a great sale. And so usually breakfast for dinner is um, one thing that I go to all the time. And also cereal is dinner. Um, sometimes it's, that's <laughs> always a great thing, especially with teenagers. I try to always get good deals on cereal and have plenty of cereal and milk on hand because you never know when they're going to need a snack, when they're going to just need a late night bowl of cereal. That's refreshing to hear someone else of the opinion that cereal is dinner. I love that. <laughs> well, I was thrilled to get both of your books in hand and I just blew through both of them and I was feverishly taking notes on so many things. I will admit I read them backwards. I read your oldest book second and your most recent book first, um, but each of them have so much valuable wisdom. And so I just want to pinpoint some of those things today because I think it would be some really incredible tips and tricks for some of our listeners. Um, one of the first things that I wanted to talk about was your principle of six times two. So your first book is all about time management and really making good use of our time, being good stewards of our time. And you have this idea of six times two. Would you take a moment and unpack that for us? Tell us what it's about. Yeah. So this is something that I kind of just fell into. I actually was doing an interview years ago and he was asking me about time management and I just said, well, actually I have six priorities and I try to focus on them just two of them um, per day because I have two hands and I can only hold two things. And all of a sudden I was sharing this and I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> like it was one of those things I never intentionally set out and it just sort of happened because I think recognizing that we can't do all the things. And I feel like so many women are stretched so thin because of that feeling of, I need to be really intentional in my marriage. I need to be really intentional with my kids. I need to be really working on relationships, my friendships and my own personal health and my spiritual health. And um, what about keeping my home? And then also, you know, if I am working or have hobbies, that sort of thing. And so it can feel like we're trying to do all the things all the time. And no wonder we're stretched too thin. We have two hands. And so for me, I can hold two things at once. And if I try to add something more, I'm probably going to drop it. And yeah. so just focusing on two priorities per day, but then rotating the priorities that I'm focusing on. And so that over the course of a week, I have really spent intentional time in each priority area, usually twice. And so that's why it's called six times two, because I just say six days a week, if I can focus on two priorities, I give myself kind of a free day. Um, then I will have really invested my life and wrapped my time and my energy around those things that truly matter. Yeah. I think that's so freeing because you're absolutely right. I think we all feel so often that we have to focus on all of the things all of the time, but if we're able to kind of spread that out, not only are we able to go deeper in each of those priorities, but everything is probably still getting the same amount, if not more of our attention, but just on a different sort of perspective. So I really loved that idea. Another thing you talked about was the idea of doing it now. And I think that so many times I know myself, I'll get so caught up in, I need to do this or that. And then sometimes I'll even make a list of the things that I need to do, but you have a principle about doing things now. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah. Just really focusing on, you know, if I, if this is only going to take less than two minutes, just do it. 
don't write it down on your list. Don't put it down on your calendar. <laughs> don't plan when you're going to do it. Just do it now. Um, oftentimes it might be, you know, just texting someone or picking up the phone and scheduling that appointment or just Googling and researching that thing or putting that book on um, hold at the library. For me, my email inbox, because of working full time and having an online business, I have a lot of emails coming in every day. Oftentimes it's something like five or 600. And same thing with on Instagram, where I'm very active as the money saving mom, oftentimes getting 500, 600 messages a day. And so I just have, when I'm focusing on my email inbox, I am just answering the emails. I'm not filing them or labeling them or saying, you know what, I'm going to get around to that. If I have time uh, to answer emails, then I'm going to just go ahead and answer them. I'm not just going to check. And same thing with Instagram messages or when I'm texting, I kind of just like to have blocks of time where I just get it done. But then also throughout the day, as you see that you know, the load of clothes that needs to be carried upstairs or put away or whatever, just do it. If it takes less than two minutes, just do it. And oftentimes I think we think something is going to take us a lot longer than it does. And I like to set the timer and I find that it takes a whole lot less to do most things than we actually think it does. I love that. I will often do like a blitz cleaning of my house where I'll set a quick timer or even just a mental timer in my head. Like, okay, I'm going to take 10 minutes and I'm just going to run around and do the things. And I feel so much better after that time because I feel like I've accomplished something and then you're moving on to the next thing. Um, so that's really, I think, a really good principle to put into practice for us. Um, there was a quote in your book that I really thought this is really good and I think people need to take hold of it. Often the seemingly boring or simplistic practices done repeatedly those are the things that transform the trajectory of our lives. You talked about that and I think you've seen that be true in your own life. Can you tell us how those boring or simplistic practices have revolutionized your life and your home? Well, if we think about the things that we do every day, the little choices, that is what adds up to our life, whether it's positive or negative. And so that choice to go outside and take a walk or to sit at home and binge Netflix, you know, or that choice to look into a child's eyes and to just speak life to them or to just get frustrated with them. Every day we have so many little choices. And so those little choices add up to the essence of our life. And so for me, oftentimes it's things like investing in a relationship or investing in my health or investing in the business. And it's that doing it day in, day out when I don't feel like it. I mean, we don't always get up and feel like, man, I'm going to keep my house clean today. Or man, I'm really going to love my kids wholeheartedly. You know, there's just some days we're like, you kind of want to check out. And <laughs> so giving myself that reminder of this matters. And so how can I today invest my life in what is right in front of me and use each moment in a way that matters and to recognize that it might just feel like, oh, it's just doing the dishes or it's just helping a child yet again. It's teaching the same lesson yet again. It's responding to emails. It's, you know, going out and going for a walk or getting on the treadmill or doing that workout or choosing um, a healthier option or going to bed earlier, getting up earlier, whatever it is, but doing it over and over and over again, that's what truly adds up to change in our life. Your practices of time management and just the way that you've chosen to approach life has created, at least from an outside perspective, based on the things that I see you share, 
a really peaceful environment in your home, considering you guys have a multitude of children and a multitude of activity and so many things. I know though, based on what I've read in your book, that the woman that you were 20 years ago when you first got married is not the same mama that you are today. How have you transformed over the course of two decades of being in marriage, being in parenting? How is your life different and what have you learned? I'm a completely different person and that is truly the grace of God. And it's interesting because honestly, I would say that being on the internet has radically changed, transformed my life. And that is so interesting. Um, I always say that blogging broke me and speaking healed me. And for me, it was putting stuff out there. I started blogging in 2004, 2005, like I said, but I started with this site that was called biblical womanhood because Every 23-year-old woman who has a one-year-old knows exactly how everybody should live life, you know, (laughs) and very, very legalistic viewpoints. I'd come from a super conservative background and and was putting those out there to the world. And God used some atheists on this board that actually they were snarking on me. But they came over and started asking questions. And some of them were really rude and unkind, but there were a few who actually wanted to engage in a cordial conversation. And they really started challenging me, where is that in the Bible? And it caused me to step back and really start reading the Bible from the beginning to end. What does the word of God actually say? Instead of what does someone who has told me what the word of God says say. And that was just really profoundly impactful for me. And so through blogging, it kind of broke me of all of this legalism. And then God started calling me to go stand on stages, which was the scariest thing for me. Public speaking was probably my worst fear ever. And I had avoided it for, for years and years and years, but just really felt like I was supposed to go stand on those stages. It was an obedience thing for me. And Oftentimes I'd be like, I don't even know why I'm up here. I don't even know. I I didn't say this, but in my heart, I was thinking, I don't know why I'm up here. I don't know why I'm supposed to share this thing, but it was that obedience, stepping out in faith and continuing to step out and step out and step out. And God really used that to just start changing me from the inside out. And in Love Centered Parenting, my book, I talk about how It was really then learning to stand in confidence in who I am in Christ and not in the applause or the approval of other people, because for so long I had chased after that. I wanted approval so desperately, and I would twist myself like a pretzel to get that approval. And so putting myself out on the internet, standing on stages was the way that I realized that I couldn't. I couldn't win everyone's approval. There was no way that everyone was going to be applauding and giving me accolades and that I didn't need that, that I was enough in who I was in Christ. And once I really started to grab hold of that, that when Christ died on the cross, he said, it is finished. And that means that I don't need to do more, be more, try harder to attain his love. It is finished. And I can rest in his finished work on the cross for me. And then I can live out of that. And so you talked about the peace in our home for a lot of people. Our home actually might not seem very peaceful because there are a lot of moving parts every day, but there's peace because it's that inner feeling of rest in Jesus in the midst of kind of that swirling all around us. I think of like the eye of a hurricane. And so I just really have that piece of 
our life looks different than a lot of other people's does. I mean, everyone, no one is a cookie cutter, but to rest in who God has called me to be, what he has called our family to do. And to know that I don't have to be chasing after the approval of others. I can just stand in confidence in who I am in Christ. And for me, that has just really changed everything because it's given me that my worth and my work is not what my value is in. My worth is not in my work. My value is not in what I do. And so I can just do the next thing and trust God and rest in him for what he has for me. And even when I get to the end of the day and it looks like not much was accomplished, I can remember that, you know, if I did what he had called me to do and I was obedient and maybe that was just sitting with someone, maybe that was just looking into someone's eyes that was having a conversation that was holding a little child and just giving them security. Maybe that was just being present. Maybe that was just being available that's what matters so much more than checking off a bunch of things off my to-do list. One thing that really, really resonated with me in love-centered parenting was this idea that while I don't think you said it blatantly, this is sort of what I took away. Sometimes we parent our children kind of based on what we believe will be our perceived reputation. Um, We think that we have to make sure that they are fitting into our mold because we want to be perceived as having it all together. And you know, that we're getting this good image and that's what we project on our children. And so I think all of the time we are so focused as good parents, we want to focus on our children, what's best for our kids. But sometimes parenting is a little bit more about us than it is about our kids and kind of getting ourselves in order instead of worrying about getting our kids in order. Um, You talk about this idea, which is kind of what you just touched on, but I'd like for you to dig just a little bit deeper of live as loved. And those three words are so impactful and I think can really transform the way that we parent because it's not so much talking about our children as it is talking about us. Can you talk about that? Yes. So I was kind of in the middle of this really difficult season in our lives that I talk about in Love Center Parenting, where just felt like the bottom had kind of fallen out. I'd done everything quote right, I felt like, and yet it wasn't working. And um, I share more in detail in the story um, of that. But it was in that season, I was listening to a podcast. It was actually the Trim Healthy Mama podcast. And they had a guest on and she was talking about how she had gone through this journey of just really understanding how much she's loved by God. And she said, she started asking herself a question, how would loved me live? I just sat there. I remember sitting out in the car in our driveway, could not turn the podcast off because it was that thing of how would loved me live? Well, I didn't even know how to think like that because for so long, I'd felt like I was the misfit, the outsider, the one who just wasn't enough, that I was a disappointment. And I just couldn't measure up to whatever buddy, what everyone else was doing and other people's standards for me. And I thought, how would loved me live? What would it look like to actually believe that I was loved fully and wholeheartedly by the creator of the universe? How would that change how I lived my life? And I realized that what if I just started acting like that? Because it would completely transform the way that I would walk into any situation. Because if I truly believed that I was loved, I wouldn't need to be chasing after that love. I wouldn't need to try to be someone different than I was. I could just confidently love this other person. And when it comes to parenting, it's same thing. Like I was parenting so much for my reputation. 
And I wouldn't recognize that because I would think that it was to help my child for their future and all of this, you know, but really ultimately at the core of it, it was because I cared what other people thought. I cared so much more about my reputation as a parent than I did with relationship with my kids. And so when I started to understand that I was truly loved, that there was nothing more I needed to do, then I could just love my kids and not worry about what other people thought about my parenting. That has just changed me so much as a parent, give me so much more calmness, give me so much more ability to just be present and to not be stressing so much about how this is going to turn out, what the results are going to be, but just about relationships. And so instead of this results-based parenting, relationship-based parenting, where I'm just sitting with a child and being like, what's going on? Let's talk about this. Um, Really digging into my own struggles and sharing those openly with my kids, being willing to admit when I was wrong and ask forgiveness and just leaning in and loving my kids well and listening well. And I think it just slows the pace down so much more because there's not this agenda of where I want to get my child to go, but that I'm just walking with them through it and trusting that God is going to lead them. And it might end up looking very differently than I think, but that I can trust God and that he's going to love through me and love my child through me. And that that's the most important thing. Yeah. Ultimately, I think that is the greatest gift that we can give our kids. And I so admire that perspective. I appreciate that perspective. I personally was convicted by that when I was reading through that. I thought, gosh, this resonates with me so much. So I appreciate all of the wisdom that you have to share. I think we could just unpack for days and days on all of the goodness that you have, all of the wisdom that you have, but I'm so grateful for your time and your willingness to share some of your story today. I always end by asking the same question, and that is simply tell me something good in your life right now. What's good? So I mentioned at the beginning that we had fostered this little boy in 2020 and saying goodbye to him, handing him over to his mom after eight and a half months of loving him as our own on his mama's behalf was one of the hardest things that I've ever done in my life. And I realized how much I am a control freak (laughs) through all that process because I wanted to control all of it. And just literally having to open up my hands and hand this child back and say, I have no control over his future. There's nothing that I can do. And it's it's been this roller coaster journey for us of learning to let go and also learning to walk with his mama and love her well and what that looks like and stepping into her story. And um, so what's good, it's such a gift from God that we get to continue to be involved in his life. And it's also so good for me to continue to have my hands wide open saying, God, I don't know where this is going to lead. I don't know what the, there's no, no story that is, you know, that I'm writing with this. I'm just showing up and being faithful. My husband is actually getting ready to leave. Um, that's why I told you I had a hard stop for this podcast because he's getting ready to leave to go pick him up so we can take care of him this afternoon and evening. And every day with him is just a gift. And he's taught me so much about savoring today because I don't know if there will be a tomorrow. I hope and trust and pray that there will be, but 
If there's not, I'm just grateful for today. And so seeing the goodness of God and learning so much about that through this journey with him has just been so good. And I have gotten to cling to the Lord like never before. And I've seen his faithfulness in the hard days and in the good days. Um, He is always faithful. Friend, I am so glad you joined us here today. I think it is an absolute joy that we are able to connect every week here on the interwebs. From all the corners of the world, we get to gather around this virtual campfire and just hang out. And I absolutely love that. Thank you for making time for me each week. If you aren't following over on Instagram, be sure to head over to today's show notes and click the link to get connected. You'll also find information about my book and Crystal's books and her socials as well. The show notes are where it's at, friend. Don't miss out. I had a ton of takeaways from this conversation with Crystal, but perhaps the best was to live as loved. What if we all made it our business to operate from a place of living as though we were fully loved? Because we are, you know. We don't have to perform in a certain way to receive God's love. He just loves us just as we are. No matter what, no questions asked. But taking that even further, once we've gotten that figured out for ourselves, how much would it change things if we were able to project that onto our kids as well? That they might live as loved. I know, I know you're probably thinking, well, of course my kids are loved. But what if we could create a space for them to live in a way that doesn't simply harp on expectations or rules or regulations, but rather just lavishes love upon them? What if we reminded them of their identity in Jesus and how very special that very thing makes them? What if we took time to mold our relationships with our kids instead of just trying to fit them into our mold? Well, that might make some room for Lovely.